industry. everyone, welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sira. I'm Steve. And today we have our good friend Erica here. Say hi, Erica. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about witches in film, and most specifically we're going to be talking about the film Black Sunday from 1960, Suspiria from 1977, and The Lords of Salem from 2012. Before we get started, I want to mention... A writer who we've been talking to recently named Erica Wally. She has a book out right now called Fractured, which we haven't checked out yet. We've looked into it a little bit, and it sounds really freaking good. And she's working on a book right now called Carnival, which we're really excited to dive into. So keep a lookout on a later episode, and we will link it on our Facebook and Instagram where you can check her out and check her work out, because definitely well-deserved, I think. Yeah. We also want to announce our winner for our first of many Horror Haven giveaway. Uh, We want to thank everybody who took the time to enter. We really appreciate it. And thank everyone who has taken the chance to listen to our past episodes, or if you're listening to this episode, whether it be to hear if you won or out of pure curiosity, we appreciate it. Yeah, again, uh, thank anyone who supported us so far. Uh, We are still a relatively new podcast, but... If you dug what we've done so far, we really appreciate it. And any kind of feedback would be greatly appreciated. Or if you have any suggestions for films we should cover in upcoming episodes, feel free to, you know, give us a a response on either Instagram, Facebook, or uh, leave a little review or something on our new website. Yeah, it's super cool. Without keeping you guys waiting too much longer, uh, the winner of our giveaway... Let's do a drum roll. Uh, we chose completely at random. It is David OSU87. So, David. Congratulations! If, yeah, you the best. So, if you are listening, David, shoot us a message. If not, we will get in contact with you later on. Are you assuming his name is David? I mean, it's there on his <laughs> username. <laughs> How do you know that's not a nickname? I don't know many nicknames, David, but. David, well, then, or yeah. if it's a nickname, he's going to know who we're talking to. Exactly. David OSU, this one's for you. All right. (laughs) So, congrats, David, and thank you, everybody, again, for entering, and enjoy the episode. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has the world known so terrifying a day or night. It's I who renounce you, and in the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. Black Sunday is like no motion picture you've ever seen. There are those who believe and those who do not. But both must know the suspense, the shock of meeting the living dead and of bringing the dead to life. Black Sunday was released in 1960 and was directed by Mario Bava. So it follows 
a witch who gets burned at the stake, her and her henchmen get masks with nails in them, nailed to their faces. Later on, 200 years later, a doctor is exploring and he finds her tomb and cuts his hand. His blood brings her back to life. She summons her servant and they start reaping revenge on the town. I wouldn't say she was reaping revenge. What I would say is that she came back 200 years later trying to take over her descendant's body so that she could live again. Let me just say the the opening scene with her henchmen and her getting the masks nailed into their face. Holy shit was that brutal for 1960. It was really cool. It was really cool. And that scene actually caused, not just that scene, but a lot of scenes in the film caused the film to be banned in the UK for eight years after its release and it was cut really heavily the uncut version wasn't released in the UK until 1992 and through all of the dubs like the English dubs and stuff some of the dialogue was changed to like make it less quote unquote offensive for the time interesting I wonder if the version we all watched was the uncut I think so because when we looked there were two different versions that popped up because we rented it and one of them was an hour and 23 minutes and the other one was the hour and 26 minutes and we rented the Mm -hmm. longer one so what were you guys' thoughts on it um I felt like it was very reminiscent of a a universal horror movie. It seemed very similar, but at the same time, I feel like it was a lot more risky than a universal horror movie because, um, like, like Steven had brought up, the hammering of the masks in the face, I just feel like it was a lot more graphic in comparison to Universal. Yeah. Um, But it did have a a very similar vibe with the handmade sets, uh, the black and white, the way it was filmed, it was very similar. The big difference that I noticed between this and a typical... Um, universal horror movie is a lot of the times Universal tends to focus on the eyes with the lights in the eyes and this movie I didn't notice that as much which is fine it's a different movie it's a totally different time period which really surprises me that it's so similar to those movies because they're 1930s 1940s and this one was released over 20 years later so I think that's really interesting I think the cool thing about that though is that you're getting those same qualities of those original films yeah. that people loved so much but it's so much more brutal oh, and yeah. I think that that in itself like you get these people that are totally hooked on the original the original Universal Monsters it's what they grew you know those were some of the first horror movies that they saw they're huge fans and they're drawn to this and this is like holy shit in your face because it's it really was so much more brutal than those oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. and the thing I, I really liked about it was that they stuck with the black and white. I personally feel that had they done it in color, I think it would have taken away from that a lot. Well, and that's that's the thing to think about, too, is that this movie was not a movie that had to be filmed in black and white. It was a choice by the director to make it a black and white film. But I agree with you totally, Erica. I feel that um, it kind of brought like a new age to Universal, to a Universal style. Yeah, I have to, I have to second that. I definitely got a Universal style, like just that dark mid. I don't want to say medieval, but those like you know seventeen hundreds like gothic like style, gothic, like yeah, that would, yeah, that you would find like uh, the first Dracula or Frankenstein. Uh, you know, just the, the the way everything is set, mm-hmm. uh, the fog and everything. It almost oh, yeah. has like a a dreamy effect to it and i always got that feeling from watching dracula like you're almost in a dream when watching it so uh this movie was very appealing to watch at night before bed Mm -hmm. i must say it just really set the tone and i think uh mario bava did a good job of if he was trying to pay any homage to like the success of like universal monster films I, i think that he was successful in bringing it back too because after 20 years like that would be like releasing like freddy krueger now 
in a way where it was successful. I think that he took an old idea and made it really successful for the time period, and, and that, that's amazing because I feel like people get bored of seeing the same thing, but he did it in a way where it was refreshing. Well, I mean, it's exactly. good, too. It's good, too, because... I mean, looking at what the Universal movies became, like, later on, they started to really go overboard. Like, they had... Remakes. Not even remakes, but just some of the sequels. Like, The Invisible Man became, like, a spy during the Cold War. (laughs) Like, they really went went over the top with the Universal monsters, so I think it did a good job of keeping that style, like, bringing it back, almost like Erica said, because, you know, the people that were watching it very may well have been the people who were watching the original Universal movies when they came out. And, I mean, at the time that this came out, the same year Brides of Dracula came out, which is great, but it's a totally different type of movie coming from, like, the the style that Universal started out with. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to bring up the main actress, Barbara Steele, which she played the witch and the descendant of the witch, correct? Katya. Yeah, she played Katya. She's absolutely beautiful, but you know what I loved about oh, her? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> oh, she's gorgeous. Like, I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> lady crush, but... Um, witch crush Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Witch crush. <laughs> yeah. We should, make that, we should nice. make that a hashtag every Wednesday. That'd be fun. I like that they kept her makeup very 60s. Like, you could read the era of when the movie was actually made. Looking at her, you knew it was the 1960s because of the makeup that they put on her. It was so 1960s. I felt like her hair even had that feel. Yeah, no, yeah. And it was, wasn't it a wig? She had to wear a wig for it. So she had to wear a wig, and she also was very against the fact that for scenes in the movie, her cleavage was showing. So it caused a lot of conflict between her and Mario Bava, and she said later on that a big reason for that could have been because it was her first film and she didn't speak Italian. So she kind of had that language barrier between her and Mario Bava. But she, I guess, was like terrified that he was going to make her appear nude in the film. So like she would just not show up to the sets on certain days. Damn. Yeah. She was a total fox. Oh my gosh, beautiful. And like... (laughs) When we did the um, Colts episode and we watched House of the Devil, I was obsessed with her. Um, Barbara Steele, even prettier, like gorgeous. I couldn't imagine seeing her in color. <laughs> but yeah, Mario Bava was actually uh, approached later on to do a color remake of the movie, and he refused to do it. Which I'm glad he did because I feel like it would have taken away a lot of what the movie. Absolutely. Um, an interesting fact about this movie is that it is actually um, Tim Burton's favorite. Yes. Favorite movie, and I thought that was funny because watching it, I felt like the character Lydia in um, Beetlejuice looked just like the character in this. Yeah, she did look like And him. I also noticed that the Mask of Satan, do you, you, you like um, Night, Nightmare Before Christmas, right, Stephen? Oh, of course. You know the trick-or-treaters? I feel like the Mask of Satan yeah. is like the one trick-or-treater. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if maybe what that's was like it? a little and Barrel, yeah. Yeah, Barrel, yeah. there you go. Nice. Well, well, Tim Burton also paid homage to it in um, Sleepy Hollow with the mask. There was a scene... With the... the... With the nails, yeah. They yeah. The Iron yep. Maiden. Yep. His yep. mom was in it. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and she was a witch, so... Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, this movie also had really cool makeup effects, especially for its time, like the um, when it showed the father, I'm assuming he was a king, or of some sort, right? Because his daughter was the princess. Um, the father, when he was killed and he came back, like his skin looked kind of peely and dried out and gross, but it, lo- it didn't look like 
fake when you see that type of makeup and the fact that it's black and white you automatically go back to Universal where like the makeup is amazing there but this looked like real skin it just looked really disgusting you know well, also too I thought when, that was really impressive yeah also too when uh the blood drops on the witch and her face starts forming back oh yeah that looked really good and another part that I really liked was when the witch touches Katya and it shows like her age moving to Katya and like her youth moving to mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. It, that was really well done I just think it was a very cool movie. Oh, the ending where um, he didn't know, he thought the witch was Katya. That was funny. Yeah. And, like, it was it was like a moment where he was like, oh, what? And then he noticed the cross necklace and, like, gave it away, obviously, because a witch cannot wear a crucifix. I didn't know that was a rule until I watched this movie. <laughs> I don't. No, it, yeah, because, um... Lords of Salem touched on the the crucifixes, the crucifixes throughout yeah. it too, not not that like the witches couldn't touch it, but it it was a big thing in that movie was the crucifixes. Well, I think too because this movie like her servant was a vampire. I think she was supposed to be some type vampire, and that could have been something to do with it mm-hmm. also. Oh yeah, I like when she uh, turned the doctor into a vampire. Do you notice uh, one scene I really want to point out when he enters the room? And you know, like, he's a vampire. Like, they did a, such a good job on the lighting of his face that you're like, oh, he's he's definitely, like, a... He's, like, bad. Like, he went from good <laughs> to bad. Yeah. And, it, like, just the way they shot it just told everything. And I thought that was just a great scene and a great use of lighting to distinguish someone's character change. Mm-hmm. I think that in general, this had an awesome an awesome job as far as like with the directing. I think that it has a lot of aspects to it that are really intentional. Like there's there's these little details like the lighting, and the fact that like one of the things that stood out for me is that it was black and white, but it's not grainy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a yeah. grainy black and white. It's very sharp. And mm-hmm. I think that that gives you, like... The contrast is really great. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's got... Visually, it's pleasing, which is something that... That's, like, a pet peeve of mine. Like, with the Universals, like, I love them, but that graininess... It's, it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes to kind of, like, make it visually appealing. Yeah. Um, did anybody else notice that the, the little girl had an adult voice? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that, that was one of my only complaints with this was the dubbing was really not that great. No, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, that's typical Italian horror film fashion. Uh, I can't wait to dive into more Lucio Fulci films on later episodes because one particular film, uh, the voice dubbing is so bad on this one kid uh, named Bob that it's it's definitely a man, and it's just and it's. It has to be the most annoying voice ever. <laughs> like, it's pretty much as bad as, like, Japanese uh, fucking dubbed Goku. Like, it's that. <laughs> it's up there with, like, annoyance. And it's just really funny. I don't know. Like, I think I'm desensitized to it because I've watched so many of the original, like, Toho Godzillas and a shit ton of, like, uh, you know, old 70s and 80s kung fu films. That it just, you I don't know, it doesn't phase me. It really doesn't. Like, it. But it's when I when it does happen, like I'll chuckle a little bit, but you know, it's just one of those things where I just I've learned to deal with shitty dubbing with watching Italian horror. I typically watching the mouth move and the words not being lined up does bother me with this movie. It didn't so much, but I think it's because I knew it wasn't like it was lagging. It was you know there was not much they could do about it. Yeah. Um, 
so it didn't really bother me. Um, it's funny when we got to the end of the movie, I was, I was like watching it. I was like, how did she come back? Like, why wasn't she crispy? And then I realized at the end she never got burnt. And that was the whole thing. They were setting up a crucifixion for her and they were going to burn her at the stake. And they didn't end up doing it because it started raining. Yeah. <laughs> what I, a setback. I didn't catch that. <laughs> I did not catch that at all, which is probably why they ended up putting her in the mask and doing that. But I didn't catch that until the end of the movie when I was like, why was her body burnt? And then it brought up that there was a huge storm 200 years ago when they were going to burn the witch. And then she cursed the castle. So. Don't you yeah. hate when you show up for an old-fashioned witch burning and <laughs> it, it starts just, raining? It just starts raining. <laughs> totally ruins the day or the and the vibe. Another scene I uh, I really like too is uh, when they they test like the crucifix, uh, the priest and the one professor, the doctor's assistant. They test it on the doctor when he's in the coffin, and then they like they stab it. I think the priest stabs him in the eye or something. That scene again for 1960s. That was pretty fucking hardcore. I like, was... and I, I was like, damn, dude. I don't think I've ever seen an eye gouge in like any kind of 60s or 50s film. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think it was so cool, and and it wasn't what I was expecting. Like, when Dylan mentioned watching Black Sunday, and he showed me the trailer, I was like, oh, this has got to be, you know, the 40s or the 50s at the very latest. I was really actually surprised that it was the 60s, but I think that it makes some daring um, some daring attempts in the horror world, but I feel like it's not too crazy for anyone to watch either. I think anybody no, no, could really watch it, it and was, enjoy it. It was with the times. Like, for 1960s, mm-hmm. no one oh, yeah. ever saw that kind of shit. You no, know? for so. sure. I, I, I feel like it was just a really good, easy movie to follow. Like, it was enjoyable. The plot wasn't crazy. It was very simple. It was like it was telling a story. It was really easy to understand, and it was enjoyable to watch. I I thought it was a really great movie. I loved it. Yeah, this was a a gem that I uh, now discovered, and I will definitely remember and probably end up watching again at some other point. Because there's not when we were doing this episode, we were really like picking through, and mm-hmm. there's not like really any good like witch horrors no, out there. Exactly. Like, besides like the Blair Witch Project and like the ones mentioned on here, but they're very few and far between Mm -hmm. you know yeah no definitely i think a lot of the times with witches it goes a little cheesy it goes like um like no warts on noses and like green skin or like hocus pocus but i love i love hocus pocus (laughs) you know it's just not right for this but you know a lot of it, it goes very childish or very kid um oriented or like just cheesy and it's cool to find something that is actually still horror and can still scare you. It's not cheesy. It's not overdone. It's just a straightforward story that can still be scary and still be creepy. And I think that this movie really balanced that. Yeah. Did you guys intentionally choose these three movies? Like, was there a specific reason why? You no, chose them? we actually were only going to do two movies this week. Yeah. And we... then randomly, he was like, "Hey, I just looked up and found this movie, Black Sunday." So which movie? And we watched the trailer. And we're like, "Yep." When I was doing some research on Lords of Salem. They, and this will, you can cut this out, but um, his inspiration for the witch burnings was from Black Sunday. Oh, and awesome. his lighting choice was because of Suspiria. Oh, I, wow. Yes, you're that's pointing that out. Yeah. So that's why I thought you guys had done it intentionally. No, Sarah pointed that out, though, when we were watching, not the um, the witch burning, but the lighting for Lords of Salem, mm-hmm. it 
like for example, I think the it most, highlights reds. Yeah, the, the most significant red. part is when she goes into the room and the red cross is out, and she mm-hmm. like reaches her hands up. I think her apartment too. Her apartment's all black and white, mm-hmm. and then her um, when you go into her kitchen, the chem- we'll talk about this later. Yeah. You know, we're, we don't want to <laughs> yeah. get in the Lord's Salem, but I do want to bring up what you said with the movies if they were chosen purposely, which they were not, but. We got three great movies from three totally different time periods with three totally different styles of shooting, and they're all awesome. And, and they all and I think that's amazing. roll together. Yeah, well. no, they mm-hmm. do. They go together, and it's such a good episode to have because every every single movie we watched this week focused on lighting and color. Even this movie, which had no color, but that was an intentional choice. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it does. It focuses on the color choices. So um, I just think it's cool that... that we drew three random movies, and they do. They are very connected. I'm fangirling over this movie. <laughs> if you can't tell, I loved this movie. Um, I thought a, one of my favorite scenes was the scene where the witch's eyes turn white. Like they go pure white. I thought that was so creepy looking. And it happens at the end of Lords of Salem. The yeah. man's eyes mm-hmm. go completely white. Mm-hmm. So there's another sim. We got to do like a compare and contrast one day. Because that's kind of crazy how similar they all... I guess, like, there's, like, the lore for witches is pretty... I totally got a uh, a Hellraiser vibe, too. Not specifically, like, style or anything whatsoever, but uh, one of the lines is she's like, I got a drop of your blood and I need more oh, to yeah. make me whole. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Definitely like a Frank reference. Yeah. Um, towards, the sure. end, towards the end of the movie, there was a quote... Um, and I just thought it was kind of an interesting quote, and I just wrote it down. I can't remember the context that it was even in, but I liked the way it sounded. So I wrote it down, and it was, um, sometimes Satan in his capacity for evil even plays tricks on the dead. So I just, I just thought it was interesting. I think if I was going to add one more thing to the discussion of it, I think it does a good job of holding attention throughout the whole thing. Like, Mm -hmm. so while watching, like, a movie that's so reminiscent on older movies, you would almost... Bored with it? Yeah, you kind of get bored of it. Yeah, because you're like, okay, well, I know what to expect. You know, the lighting's gonna be a certain way. and this like, But I feel like it really did a good job of holding attention, whether it was the story or, like, the filming choices that they made. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree. Like, some... As much as, like, the classics of Universal uh, monster movies are, there are certain ones that uh, they just, they get, they start to get a little boring, like, and mm-hmm. nothing will happen for a while. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it definitely did a good job, I have to agree, of keeping your attention there. It did. And following the story. It was very interesting. Um, another scene that I did love in this, which I wasn't going to bring up, but I just remembered how much I liked it, the um, initial scene when you first meet Princess Katya, um, when they're in the tomb. With the dogs. With the dogs, and she just kind of walks up, and she's just like, this really strong, like beautiful woman, and she's hanging out in a mausoleum. Like, that's cool on its own. You're my hero. But I, it was just a really cool scene for her, and at first my initial thought was, it's the witch, she came back. But yeah. it wasn't, you know, that, and that's what I thought. I thought it was her, and, um, you know, it threw me a curve there. I think what I like about that also is that with the Universals, like, going back to that, and I know we we brought that up a lot, which I think is really interesting because mm-hmm. you, that's an episode that's coming up. Next mm-hmm. weekend. Exactly. So excited. <laughs> so they're all surrounded by very strong male characters. 
other than the Bride of Frankenstein and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you don't have these very strong female yeah. characters because of the time period. They're also they're they're the victims. The, exactly. So here you have like the sixties and you're transitioning into that that girl power era where you're mm-hmm. starting to get strong that, female roles. The, that woman's movement and is I going on. I think that it was fabulous that she was able to deliver a strong female role. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about it the most is that she didn't have to show a lot to do that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. and I, you, th- even with the information that Dylan brought with how she was like, oh, I wasn't mm-hmm. really comfortable with showing off my cleavage, stuff like that. Like, that's that's awesome that she was willing to be like, listen, you're the director, I get that, but I'm not cool with it, I'm not going to do I'm it, you know? I'm not going to compromise who I am. Uh, and I think, I think that's strong and, and awesome for that time period because it wasn't a time where women were really... As strong, they, they weren't viewed as strong as they are today. They were just transitioning. Mm-hmm, into exactly. That. So I, I just think it's cool that she came in at a time that was not necessarily the best for women, and kind of gave a really strong performance. And then she was strong. Her character was a strong woman. So I think that's. I think that's really cool. Yeah, she was the main threat of the movie. So to have her, you know, like most um, horror movies of that time, like. You're right. The women is always the victim. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many like 1950s like monster movies where you see like the monster with a woman in distress in in hand of the monster like King on Kong. the covers and shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, to uh, all respect, King Kong is a fucking beautiful movie. It is. It is. We'll but, do it one um, day. But I mean... no, but there's tons. You know, it's always the woman <laughs> yeah. that's in distress, held by the monster and helpless. Whereas, like, this movie really just flip-flopped where it's like, yeah, it completely she is changed. a monster. Yeah, it completely changed the roles of a, of a horror movie. It, it tested the boundaries there. And I think it did good because, I mean, I don't recall any females dying in the movie. It was all males, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was all yep. men. It was the the king died. The doctor died. I think that was it. The dogs. Rest in peace. Oh, the dogs' yeah. throats got slit. But that, was by the, that wasn't by the witch, was it? Wasn't that by the servant, Boris? Either way. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about this movie before we do ratings? No, I'm pretty good. I had a similarity to bring up between that and Suspiria, but I'll bring it up when we talk about Suspiria. Suspiria, okay. Uh, Who wants to rate first? Yo, Steven, let me get that number. All right. (laughs) I'm giving this a 7 out of 10. Uh, It was a great throwback to the style of, like, universal monsters with the fog and, like, the dark gothic-like setting while still kind of breaking some boundaries I mean, it got banned in the UK uh, for its time. You know, th- some of those scenes were like the mask being nailed on and like the eyeball scene were pretty explicit for its time. So mm-hmm. I thought that was very impressive. And also the, the overall storyline was good. It was a great representation of like how maniacal and scary a witch can be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, solid seven for me. And it definitely uh, left a good impression and it definitely won't be the first... Or the, I should say the last time I ever watched this movie. So it's a good discovery. And of course, like Mar- now that I found out like Mario Bava did it, like that just makes it better for me. Awesome. I wanna I'll rate it next, I guess. Um I'm gonna rate it an eight point five. This is one of my favorite movies that I've watched yet for the podcast that I hadn't prior seen. Um, I loved everything about it. I like that it was black and white. I always have loved the universal movies, so it was the perfect balance for me. Um, the actress, the main actress, Barbara Steele, was amazing. The sets were beautiful. Sometimes you couldn't even tell that it was a set. Um, 
I, all in all, it was a good movie. It's great for anybody who wants to watch it. It's not too scary for anyone. It's not cheesy. It's just right. So, yeah, 8.5. Erica. <laughs> Damn. I'm going to give it a 7.75. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking? Um, I think it was absolutely sizes? like you said. It was a, it was a really nice movie. Like the way that it was filmed was great. The the makeup, everything. I really liked it for its time. I thought the makeup was phenomenal. It was. Um, without losing the error, which I like mm-hmm. you said, I thought that was really cool. So it's got aspects of good writing. It's got good placement. It's got great. I don't even know. Cinematography. Yeah. It's, for a black and white, it's just yeah, it really perfect. did. I mean, overall, like black and whites, usually because you're, it's it's a monochromatic. You mm-hmm. you got so much, you know, mm-hmm. and it really did. It was a, it was visually pleasing to watch. It was. Um, it was a solid movie. Dylan, last but not least, actually least. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am gonna give it a seven point five for the reasons that you guys said. I and like I said before, it's didn't lose its spark while watching it. I thought it had great pacing and I had a lot of fun watching it. So, cool. 7.5. Alright, total average? Total rating. average? Horror Haven average? Horror Haven average, 7.6875. <laughs> yes! Oh boy, okay. Roses are red Violets are blue film we're going to talk about is Suspiria. It came out in 1977. Another Italian horror film directed by the infamous Dario Argento. And uh, it pretty much covers a American uh, ballet dancer who gets uh, accepted to a dance school in Germany. And when she first arrives, she starts to witness some really sketchy thing going on. And really bad timing for when she arrives because it's in the middle of a storm. But uh, pretty much the Dance Academy is run by a coven of witches, and they are, I think, using uh, the youth and the beauty of the women enrolled in the ballet uh, school to uh, keep the director of the school alive, who is, like, the head witch of the coven. And one by one, um, some of the students of the school, they start... uh, they start disappearing uh, and pretty much being killed off. And I'm assuming it's like a sacrifice, again, to expand the life of the director, who's like the head witch, who you later see at the end of the film. And uh, the main uh, female lead, she uh, starts to catch on, and it's pretty much a battle for survival. Like, she goes 
and reaches some outside help with a guy who's been studying witchcraft, and he starts to catch on a bit, but they don't really go into much detail on that, and it, she's revealed completely, like, what's going on. So, yeah, pretty much, like, you know, they try to, like, drug her and manipulate her, and I'm assuming do some spells on her to get her, like, under the influence of uh, the witch's power, and, yeah, that's pretty much uh, the plot summary. Uh, at the end, she ends up um, having a face-off with the witch and discovers she sees the director or the head witch's true form and pretty much stabs her right in the throat and kills her. And the building explodes. <laughs> Nothing like a good throat stab to end yeah, your, your right? time at ballet school. Nothing like everything in the room exploding to end your time at ballet school. <laughs> I know, you know way, you did good. End, end the semester with a bang. So, <laughs> this is funny. So I know a lot of people are graduating from college and shit right now, so I think you could relate to this movie. Just put firecrackers and everything at their house, and (laughs) at their graduation party, just go wild. Light them off. Um, I like this movie. I thought it was interesting. It was not my favorite of the uh, week, which I was actually surprised about. I thought I was going to like it a lot more than I did. I just thought it was kind of confusing watching it. It um, It wasn't obvious what the plot line was at first. It was kind of strange, but the way it was filmed was probably one of the most interesting uh, styles I've ever seen in a horror movie. I agree. I I feel like this movie focused more on visual appeal than story, and I feel at times that was almost its strength and its weakness because mm-hmm. the movie was so visually appealing that you get lost in it to the point where... It was you kind of hard for me. On. Yeah, it was kind of hard for me to follow. Thank you. What was happening? Thank you for saying that. <laughs> but because I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we actually like the only other movie that I've had to do this in is Inception. But me, Sarah, and Erica all watched this movie, and we were like, every ten minutes, we we're like, "This looks so cool." But do you guys know what like, the what, fuck's what's happening? Going <laughs> what's going on? It was it was a very confusing movie, um, and it it wasn't that it was that confusing of a story. It just I don't think it had enough explanation throughout the entire movie of what was going on. I think it came exactly. at the end, um, which made it almost. I don't want to say it was boring because visually it wasn't, but the story wasn't there. It, they very much over, not overthought, but they very much thought out the way that they were going to film it and the colors they were going to use and why and when they were going to use these colors. And it was so interesting, but it was like they dropped the, the ball on the storyline. And that's a little bit disappointing because it could have been a 10, and for me it was really more like a 7. Whoa, don't jump Whoa. ahead to ratings. I'm not, I'm not jumping ahead to ratings. I was using those numbers as an example, though. You know what I mean? Like, the lack of the storyline throughout really just dropped the ball for me, and it was a disappointment. I, I agree with that. And I think that it the first 20 minutes and the last 10 was the whole movie. Like, if they cut out the middle, that's mm-hmm. all you needed to know what was yeah. going on. But like Dylan said, like, we literally, like, every ten minutes I'd look at them and I'd be like, what the fuck's going on? Like, mm-hmm. watching it, like, honestly, I truly believe that if they took that whole movie and they cut out all the I mean, dialogue... A short film? Cut out all the dialogue, did a short film with just the visuals and the music... It would be creepy. It would Goblin. have been an awesome, super creepy short film. And I would have been totally content with that. I think that mm-hmm. the music was phenomenal. And in my opinion, I loved it. 
I really, really love the music. The music I was think really that creepy, yeah. Dylan had said earlier in the week, um, you know, he, he, he was like, I got it stuck in my head and kept thinking about it. And he had said last week, I think it was the Sinister one, you said you kept getting that beat stuck in your head. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like, yeah, like that, that music was actually like, it was really eerie. And that alone and just how like visually pleasing it was, just those two things really made the whole movie and... I could have watched it just based yeah. on those things alone without yeah. having Any the fun. dialogue. No no dialogue whatsoever, and I would have been totally cool with See, that. the thing is, is I feel like they took a very simple plot, and they stretched it out way too long with not enough interest going on mm-hmm. throughout the actual story. Well, that's where and we... I think that's where the, the movie just had a little bit of a... Yeah, but it was yeah. still a really fun, cool movie to watch. It just... You might not understand it the whole time. Well, that's what we brought up, too, because... Like, we were watching it, and we were trying to figure out, like, what is going on? And I actually said at one point, I was like, maybe the plot is just so simple, and we're trying to overthink it because of how complex everything else seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Dario Argento's focus was definitely elsewhere, and that's with the use of the colors and the way things were shot, and definitely, in particular, the use of the color red, which is a huge uh, theme in the movie, which is actually funny because he has another work called Deep Red, and they mm-hmm. really focus on like the the color of the blood and like there's like a lot of red aspects that you would see in like Suspiria. And uh yeah, the music goblin, wow, what a what a band that is and just such an eerie effect with the weird like whisper chanting yeah. on yeah. top mm-hmm. of the music. And on he's used them for other movies too. And I'm pretty sure the band is still active today. That's <laughs> so, crazy. Well, he helped yeah. compose the music with them, didn't he? I think so. I might have to look in on that, but I know for a fact like who the band was and that they were also in other movies of his. But it really did have a great effect and an eerie effect, if I must say. Yeah. Well, I mean, he played the album, the soundtrack, on set, like blasted it to just give everybody this like unsettling feeling to get them in the mood for filming, yeah. No, I feel like this movie, unlike the last movie, really shows its era. I think the 70s, it was very, like, kind of psychedelic and weird to watch. Like, it definitely has, like, that 70s vibe, for me at least, Um, where the last movie we talked about was very much like, wow, this feels like a throwback. This one felt like it was right in the 70s. It it made sense in the 70s, which um, is cool. Now, this was your guys' first time watching it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, Oh, cool. All right. See, I think this was, like, probably my third, So, and it's been a while, so it was nice to watch it again and really just pay more attention to things, and, yeah. Isn't it funny how, how watching horror movies changes when you have to talk about them the next day? <laughs> it's like, it's like it oh, does. Like, like, because you don't look, like, when I'm watching a horror movie just to enjoy a horror movie, I, I just watch it. Like, I'm not, like, looking into to, too many details. There's things I'll notice, but I'm not, like... Oh, really pay attention and, and find this hidden message that's in it. But, like, when I'm watching for the podcast, it's like, what does that yellow light mean? <laughs> what, is, what does that cat mean? Do you think that's a big plot detail? Like, do you think that's important? And most of the time it's not. But, you know, you start looking at these little things that you don't generally notice when you're just watching it for fun. Um, and you sometimes it causes you to read too much into it, which might have been the issue for Suspiria is that we were reading too much into little things while watching it. I felt like I was trying to do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, the whole movie, Immediately like you do that. Like, Once okay. you know you're recording, you're yeah. like, you're like, oh. And then, especially, like, if the week before, like, um, 
for instance, uh, Hellraiser, I didn't, I didn't talk a lot. So it's like, after doing a, a, a week where I felt like I didn't catch anything and I wasn't understanding what everybody was talking about, and I didn't agree, I'm like, the next week, I'm like, really pay deep attention, like, really know what you're talking about, like, really be able to talk about a lot of the detail. So, um, it, it definitely changes the way you watch horror movies when you're talking about them in a group like this. It's crazy how much, like, this simple act of using three different colors to accent things in the movie makes the movie such, like, a appealing movie to watch. And it kind of... Watching it, it kind of gave me a throwback to um, one of my favorite old silent movies, uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, yeah. Because... I don't know if it's the original version, but it's the only version I've ever watched. And it's an old, it's from 1920, and it's a black and white silent film, but it was tinted with red, yellow, and blue Dye. color. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was really like, it really threw me. It gave you that essence? It gave me like, yeah, almost like a nostalgic type thing because I love that movie and it just was such a throwback to it. But I have to go back and watch that movie because I, I slept on it. I think I, like, we're going to do it episode. Like, literally. Like, I watched, was trying to watch it, and I fell asleep. <laughs> but, again, it's it's those old, like, anytime I watch Nosferatu, that is a movie I could watch before bed. Or, like, Dracula. Or it's the relaxing. Just because yeah. of the, yeah, those are the, just those settings are so relaxing. No, the Why Cabinet of Dr. Price Caligari, movie? the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is, like the complete opposite. It's such an insane movie, especially mm-hmm. for being in 1920. Like the it's weird. The plot for that movie is pretty complex, and that's coming from like the very early times in horror film in I, general. Yeah, I think that's like one of the first horror movies. Um, yeah, and not including The Hunchback and Notre Dame, which came <laughs> out in like the single digit 1900 era. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like not- 190. Like, 1910 or some shit like that. You start to pick up on certain things with the color. Like, for example, I think Erica was the one that pointed it out when we were watching. But when the main girl in the movie, what was her name? Was it Susie? Sally? Susie. Susie. Was yeah. it Susie, the main yes, girl? Yeah, it was Susie. Yeah, it was Susie. Yeah. When Susie was, like, being drugged the whole time, any time that it showed her, like, while she was passed out or anything, the colors were very, like... They're very neutral. Yeah, they're very neutral colors. She and it's not until too. Yeah, and it's not until the night that she dumps the wine down the sink that like the second that she does that, the blue tint just comes over and it's almost kind of like she's being brought to light on what's going on. Like I, I thought that was really cool. See now very good I, observation. Yeah. When we talk about the coloring in this movie, everyone's saying visually appealing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's visually appealing. What I would say is it's it it creates eeriness. It's not, like, I don't like looking at red. Like, I wouldn't paint a room in my house red because it's not a pleasant color. You know what I mean? It's not easy to look at a lot. So I think more than visually appealing, it adds to the eeriness of the film. One of the things that I've noticed with that is that the scene in the in the airport. So here she is at the airport, and she's getting ready to exit the building, and she's very dull. Like, the colors in that setting are, like, super dull. But as it flashes to the doors opening, you see the red trench coat, which she later describes as a brown raincoat, but, Mm -hmm. like, you see it, and it's it's clearly got, like, a red hue to it. And as the doors close, it changes. And Mm -hmm. then, like, it opens, and it's there, and it's, like... It's it's giving this illusion that okay, like 
she's about to enter a new world a new world that she she might not be prepared for well, and i think that that color like red red's associated with you know like violence or what there's so many like negative blood. moods mm-hmm. and and emotions that are related to that color that it's it's kind of building and it really set set the stage for me anyway for what i was anticipating to be something a lot different than what I got necessarily. It's almost funny that you bring that up because when I, after we watched this movie, I was looking into it a bit and it actually, it says that it has a very similar theme to Alice in Wonderland. And I think that like almost stepping into a new world and seeing colors and kind of going mad a little bit is, it it, it, it does have a similar theme really. Um, but that was, that was one of the more interesting things that I read about it. And um, just the change in colors and stuff as she goes through the doors. I think, I think that's an interesting point. To uh, show up. Well, not even just that, but I mean, this was probably one of my favorite scenes, like as far as visually in the film, is when she's in the back of the taxi on her way to the school, and it's like as the trip is going and she's getting closer to the school, the colors become more red. It starts out such a muted scene where she's sitting in the back of the car, and then it just turns like a deeper red as she gets closer. You would think she would notice. (laughs) <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in this movie, and I don't know why, is the pool scene. Yeah. And I was I was reading on it, and he wanted sort of like a surreal feel to it, so he, he told them, don't splash around, like, don't move around. And that's exactly like the feel you get, because they're just kind of like, the pool's very 70s, and there's like that pattern to it, and like, the building itself had this very like 70s feel to it, and... For something that was, like, an old building in Germany, it wasn't really the style that I was expecting it to be. Right. But, like, you get inside, and it's totally, like, 70s porn mansion. Like, oh, it's yeah. Got, like, the cheesy-ass wallpaper. We were, wait- we were waiting for Hugh Hefner to come out. <laughs> it, it's got, like, the, the blue wallpaper, velvet wallpaper, mm-hmm. which we were all like, is that velvet? Like, really? <laughs> but it, it just, like, the pool's just got this, like, 70s feel to it. And, um, I don't know. I think I asked Sarah and Dylan, but, uh... Steven, have you seen American Horror Stories um, Hotel? No, I I skipped out on that one. I just I tried to watch the first episode and it just didn't. It's not my really... favorite, but the the school had a very similar feel to the hotel. Like it has a lot of the same textures. It's got a lot of the same patterns and stuff like that. So it it you, like looking at it, I could definitely tell that that's probably where like the producers and the directors and stuff got their ideas from when they were doing that that season. Definitely a possibility. I mean, I noticed like older films will have an influence on like modern day uh, horror movies. Oh, absolutely. The thing that I love about horror too is that nobody's ever like, "Oh no, I didn't get my idea from that movie." They're always like, "Yeah, that movie inspired me a hundred percent. Why do you think I did this, stupid?" They're For so sure. upfront about it, you know. And and I I think that's beautiful because it's not it's not a bad thing to be inspired by other people. It's a bad thing to copy and take. Exactly, but to be inspired and influenced by someone and and reuse a similar idea, that's that's a compliment, you know. And yeah. I think it's cool that that especially in horror that they do that. Uh, one question I uh, definitely had, and maybe you guys might have the same question: uh, the scene where the the blind piano player and his dog are just out in the open and it's nighttime and they're walking, and they're being attacked by something in the air. I wonder, uh, and I, I probably am right, but is it the witches like on their broomsticks? You know what I mean, like because you don't see, I you don't so. see what attacks him and the dog, or or causes the dog to attack him. 
actually, uh, and rip his throat out, which that Maybe was a pretty Jeepers awesome Creepers. scene. I wasn't like, expecting I just, it. I think it was. It, I think it was a good scene in general, just because like you're expecting something to attack him, but you're not expecting it to be his dog that is his companion. Exactly. So. It's just like, and they do a focus on that like Griffin looking like statue, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, is it that? I don't know. <laughs> it just leaves you guessing, and then when you think about, it, oh, this is a witch movie, so put in the cliche witches on the broom, like, hey, maybe that is a possibility. You notice none of, it is none about of witches. these movies brought up broomsticks? <laughs> no, bummer. none of them did, but like... That would have you know been cool. I, mean? How, like, I think it would have added a cheesy factor to yeah. it, which is like what you said. Like, the movies that we picked really didn't have a cheesy feel They did, them. yeah. All they of these movies... I'm gonna yeah. say it with every movie that we, we go over tonight. These movies are the perfect witch movies because they are not cheesy... They're not too scary. They give witches a good name. And I would because say, a lot of witch movies are bad. And I would say, too, even, like, in their own right, each one has an eerie feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think it's all for different reasons, which makes it even better to discuss these movies together, is that they're all so different, but yet so connected and, and very random. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, an- I think it's cool. Another question I have is, like, all right, in the opening... Or not the opening, but kind of more towards the beginning with the first girl that leaves the academy. Uh, and she goes and takes refuge at one of, like, her schoolmates' apartments. Um, and she gets stabbed. And it's by a... It's a hand with a nice yeah. off-screen. We were, at, we were like, actually Ooh. laughing at her face well, being... Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just sitting there, I'm like, who is it that's stabbing her? Because, like, if you pay attention, the arm is completely hairy. It's got black fingernails... Yeah. And I clearly it's the same person who's got like the green eyes that's staring at her in the window, which I gotta say, great effect because that was creepy as fuck. Yeah. Seeing the pitch black and then the eyes just kinda glow and like come into the screen like that. That was fucking awesome and it just left a wonderful eerie effect on me. But I just wanna know like who was that person. I mean clearly it was something to do with the witches, of course, but I wonder if it was the one of the witches themselves or did they have like you know, a henchman or something? Like I don't know. It's just you just see a hairy arm with black fingernails holding a knife, stabbing this girl in the heart, it's which a I love that zoomed in on that. Don't Maybe even. it is. So well, no. Maybe it don't is. Even. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I love how guy, it zoomed they did in on have the a hench- They did have a henchman though that was helping them, and you never saw him without a long sleeve shirt on. Yeah, so it could have been him. Ooh, you're right. We're getting into conspiracies now. Holy shit! That does. I'm, I'm glad you brought that scene up though, because that does lead to the most iconic scene from this movie, which is the girl falling from the ceiling and getting hung. Hanged. Oh yeah! What a beautiful scene. Oh. I feel like this is not the first time I've had this <laughs> issue on it. Is it hanger on? But, um... It's hanged. Wait, what? Wait, what are we talking about? Nothing. So... <laughs> it's ha- it's hanged. Well, it's still... I don't but, know if, if... I don't know what you guys were talking about. I kind of zoomed out for a second. Like, so, one, out. one thing I wanted to bring up, and it's the thing that I said I wanted to bring up for the last one, but I was going to wait for Suspiria, but it also kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Lords of Salem, too, but I'm just going to bring it out now. The use of, like, hidden doorways. Mm-hmm. All three of these movies had a hidden doorway. Um, yep. Black Sunday had the one uh, behind the fireplace. They had two. They had one behind the fireplace and, and one, one behind, behind the, the painting. painting of 
Boris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this movie had the one with the irises, which was like a very key part to the movie. And then Lords of Salem, very key part to the movie, was the room 105, I think it was, down the hallway that she kept getting drawn to, which... Yeah. Like, had her cross over pretty much to whatever the witch... The psychedelic witch world? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if that's intentional or if that's supposed to symbolize something, but I, I thought that was interesting that that was such a key thing in all three movies that we watched. Again, making these connections, it's kind of crazy how we picked them at random, too. Yeah. <laughs> There's um, more. Like, I have a list. Oh, shit. I'll cover, the, I'll cover them when we get into Lord Okay. <laughs> Alright, sounds good. One more uh, thing no. I want to bring up is the witch, the, the main witch at the end of the movie. Oh, fucking fuck creepy. Me, dude. Yes! Dude, and she it, was terrifying. And not even just, I don't know if it, I know it was her, but like it, it's kind of her friend, Susie's friend, that's possessed. And she's all yeah. cut up. I was going to say about the when she gets caught in the razor wire scene, that is such an awesome scene as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we actually had a debate about that on whether it was razor wire or not because she wasn't getting as cut up as you would expect. I thought it was piano string. Yeah, Erica had mentioned maybe it's piano cord. Um, because a razor wire, if you fell into that, dude, she'd be slashed to pieces, man. Like, she'd be really tore up. I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know. Still a good scene, though. Yeah. But, um, I... I feel, if we're going to get into, like, wrapping, I don't know how much more you guys have to say, but I feel like this movie built up so much for a very anticlimactic ending. Yeah, I agree. It was very rushed. It was, like... You took all this time to tell us nothing and then rush the ending. Yeah, you took so much time, and then there's, like, a two-minute payoff scene, and then she escapes and it's done. Yeah. I feel like it's that's definitely a downfall of this movie is the payoff at the end, but might I say that witch was fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah, and her absolutely. friend that pops out the door with their eyes all bugged out and the knife running at her, like that was pretty scary too, I must say. I, I read online too that the woman who played the head witch, I can't remember her name right now, but she was a ninety year old ex hooker that Dario Argento pulled off the street and had her act in the movie. She was uncredited. Holy in the movie. shit. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? She was uncredited in the movie. They just pulled a random lady, and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and even when you don't see her on screen, it's creepy. Like you know, when the, when the maggots are falling from the ceiling, yes, and all sleep in the one room, and then right behind them, like there's a silhouette of someone sleeping, and then just that fucking breathing noise, and you know <laughs> it's the witch too, and it's it's just so creepy because like you don't see her yet, and yeah. it just still adds to that effect. There's so many like. I wouldn't say so many, but there's certain parts, though, that I'm kind of like, this is a little forced. Like, that scene, for example, the Susie's friend wakes her up, and she's like, do you hear that? Like, listen to that. It's snoring. And I'm like, you're in a room full of people sleeping, and you're, like, freaking <laughs> out because you hear somebody snoring. <laughs> a lot of people snore. All right, ratings. I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Uh, beautiful use of the colors. Uh, the music that was composed by Goblin and with the help of Dario Argento just added to the creepy effect. I thought the witch, when we finally did get to see her for the little time that we did, was absolutely terrifying. And there were just some awesome kill scenes that were, you know, they just had these nice little gory aspects to them. Like the the zoom in of the, the girl in the beginning and stabbed in the heart. 
and you see the the knife making direct contact, I was like, ooh, that's a little cringy. So, uh, yeah, I'd say overall 7.5. I wish uh, the storyline wasn't so all over the place. Uh, maybe we overlooked it, like you said before, but I have to agree it was, you know, not the most easiest to follow. And also, you know, the payoff at the end could have been better. But for what it is, it is a, it is a classic, and a lot of people do know about it now. And I think it's inspired movies such as a, a movie called Neon Demon. I feel like was heavily influenced by Suspiria, and Dario Argento is pretty legendary uh, director, especially from Italy. So, you know, it's good to make mention of one of his all-time classics. Yeah, they're actually remaking it too, which we didn't really touch on too much. Yeah, um, the remake. Whoa, I did not year. know that. Yeah, it's coming out this year, and I'm not really looking forward to it. It's starring Chloe Grace Moritz and Dakota Johnson, and they said that they're not using the original color palette for it, which is what oh. I think added so much to the movie. But maybe, though, maybe it'll touch better on the plot line. Then... That's the only thing that's going to save that movie. Yeah, that would opinion. be the only yeah. thing. Like maybe, maybe they're like, oh, we're going to ease out on the color but make the plot a little bit easier to understand. Steven already said his rating, but I just remembered a fun fact, and it's probably my favorite fact from the movie, so I'm going to point it out. Go for it. Um, Dario Argento, when he wrote this movie, he actually wrote it for... 12-year-old girls to be the main focus of it, and the school be a school for 12-year-old girls, but the producer of the film, which was actually his father, said that... Daddy said no. The violence towards children would have the film banned completely. Like, there, it was basically a no-go. So he changed the script to have it focus on 20-year-olds instead of 12 but he didn't change anything about the script at all other than the age. And that's why some of the lines are a little, like, cheesy. And I think you can see it, too. Like, when Susie first gets to the school and they're like, oh, S is for snakes. And it's, like, very, like, childish. Like, it's teasing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I didn't really notice it too much, but I also saw online that the doorknobs in the film are all eye level with the girls. And that was to give a feel like it's a child reaching up for a door handle. Huh. That's Which very I thought, interesting. I thought that was really interesting. I, I know I kind of forgot to add that in earlier. Dylan fucked up. All good. You shed light it. on it, man. All right, who went le- next last time? Me. Sierra. I'm going to give this movie uh, 6.8. And it's not because I didn't like it. I thought it was interesting. I, It just... The plot's important to a movie, and this this movie just didn't hit it for me, so... Um, the colors were beautiful. They filmed very nicely. It just, the, the plot should have been more of a focus than it was. I'm not going to give it a whack-ass number. <laughs> I'm going to go with six and a half. A lot like Sirius said, like, I think that it would have been a lot stronger if there was a solid plot and it wasn't leaving us for an hour going, what the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, colors were great. Music was great. It was eerie. Uh, there were some some really interesting parts that were very aesthetically pleasing. But overall, I think the lack of lack of the solid plot was what really kind of took Probably it downhill down. for me a little bit. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give it a seven. I agree with everything that you guys said. Um, I really wish that it did have a story that drew me in more because if it did, I could probably say that this was. One of my all-time favorite movies, mm-hmm. just for the aesthetic alone, but for reasons of 
a lacking plot, I would have to give it a seven, which is still a, a high rating for me. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I think I think all of these movies are getting pretty good ratings thus far. So. So that gives it an average of six point nine five. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There the horror go. haven rating is six point nine five. Hi. Are you the new tenant? I just saw the tenant like 10 minutes ago standing in the doorway. Oh, I hate to break it to you, but there is no person in number five. You have to understand that there is a war waging in heaven. child would inherit the earth. Satan, Satan come, come to us! God does not spare angels when they sin. Lords of Salem follows the a girl named Heidi. Uh, she's a radio DJ. Um, she receives a wooden box at work that is... Um, it, it came with a note specifically for her, and it was given to her by the, the Lords. It's an album, so she assumes it is a musical group called The Lords. Um, when she plays it at home later that night, she begins to have um, like visions of uh, women worshipping Satan and things like that. It also makes her feel very sick and tired, um, and it pretty much goes through, is she going crazy, or is she really having these visions? Um, it also touches on the fact that she is a drug user, or was a drug user, and she does relapse during this movie. So um, it also kind of touches on, could it be the drugs? Um, but yeah, that's the basic plot without ruining too much. And uh, overall, I felt like this movie had a very eerie feel to it, especially in certain scenes. Um, I did enjoy it overall, but I did have some complaints. I did have some complaints with it, mainly the ending scene of the movie. I think the uh, it, it pretty much turns into a Rob Zombie music video at the end of the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't complain there. I'm a big Rob Zombie fan of White Zombie. <laughs> Um, and so were my parents, so I was kind of, like, raised on that. I, well, I mean, that's what I expect from Rob Zombie, but I feel like the rest of the film didn't have that tone to it. So for it to completely 180 for the last, like, three minutes of the movie, five minutes, however long the scene was, it really took away from the movie overall for me. I would have liked it to take keep that more serious, like, darker tone that it had. Mm-hmm. Um, as a fan of most of Rob Zombie's original 
movies. I do, I'm not a fan of his remakes, but I do like every original movie he's put out. I think he's a very talented director. I did love this movie. I seriously love this movie, and this is the second time we've watched it. Yep. Um, I didn't realize, and it's so stupid because... Obviously, it's Sherry Moon, but I didn't realize the first time I watched it was her because I'm so used to her character from House of a Thousand Corpses Mm -hmm. and how she's, like, that sexy, dumb, blonde kind of... Like, she's not actually dumb, but she plays that that part, you know what I mean? Um, So, to see her in this character, it's a very different character, a much more mature, serious character. Um, I think that it really shows her dynamic as an actress, which is funny because she's really not an actress. She just is in her husband's movies. Yeah. Um... But I liked everything about it. The color scheme was so cool. It was awesome. How how dark, like, uh, when it first shows in her apartment when she's, like, waking, when she's, like, laying in bed, it's so dark. You can almost not see anything in her room. And then um, to have, like, those pops of red and the, um, when you're in the hallway of her apartment building, the the wallpaper, it's so old, but it's beautiful. It's it's so cool, and, and it's so muted. And then there's just these small, like, spurts of red, and it's similar to Suspiria with the color scheme, but so different at the same time because it just focuses on red. It doesn't focus on yellows and blues like Suspiria did. It's strictly, like, that red blood color. Um, and I think it was really successful with its color scheme. I, I think it did what it was supposed to do. Um... I, I, I really have very little complaint of this movie. It did get a little cheesy at the end. I will agree with Dylan. I got that Rob Zombie psychedelic yeah. kind of thing. But that's Rob Zombie. You know, even his music is a little psychedelic. So I think it's just part of who he is as, as a person. And I, I don't think that anyone's ever going to convince Rob Zombie to change that. Um, which I think is fine. Uh, it's a little weird. But 95% of the movie was excellent to me. And I can accept that weirdness at the end. Did you notice um, in, in the wallpaper in her room the giant moon? Yeah, it's uh, from the, the first movie the ever um, ever recorded. What was that movie? It's called? not the first movie, but it's one of the first. It's a it's, trip to the moon. It came yeah. out in 1902. And it wasn't Yo, that just that was one. So creepy. Mm-hmm. She had several several um, walls covered for, with um, stills from that movie, and that's the first thing I actually noticed when we were watching it. Um, I think I I would kill to have that in my room. Like I just think it looks so cool. I'll looked, pass. I think it's really nice. Her apartment was so cool. I love her apartment. I thought it was rad. Well, the art in the her apartment actually played on what I think is one of the creepiest scenes in the film when she's in the uh, bathroom and she's like breaking down and the she has the portrait or like the painting or whatever of the firing squad on her bathroom wall and they just start like crying, crying blood pretty much. Yeah. I, that, I thought I, was really creepy. I think that Rob Zombie killed it with this movie. It's, It really is. like uh, The other ones had creepy aspects to them. They did. But this movie sincerely had things that were really, really uncomfortable. Uh, I, I loved it visually. It was creepy. Like If I watched this by myself, I might be like a little like, I don't want to be in the dark. You know? <laughs> and it's rare that a movie makes me feel like that. Especially a witch movie. Like They can be creepy. They can be weird. But this movie is a witch movie that can scare you, I think. Yeah, uh, there's definitely uh, some scenes with the witches performing their like their rituals where it's just so gritty and just kind of it's very scary. Like the way the witches are portrayed, and they just have this like rotted, old, weathered look to them that I think really adds to the effect. Also, the random appearance of 
I'm just going to call them scarecrow men because I don't know what the fuck to call them. But you know, like the, the burlap sack looking motherfuckers that keep appearing. Yeah. Where she keeps like seeing them like in the priest and like, uh, like the Pope looking dude mm-hmm. at the end. Like I thought when they popped up in the film, that was very creepy. Uh, and a very unsettling feeling. I think that any, any, and this is literally any Rob Zombie movie I watch. Original movie. I lied. Any original Rob Zombie movie, something that he came up with purely on his own, he is fantastic at making something eerie. He really is, and it's like, it goes to House of Thousand Corpses, which was his first film. That movie is sincerely really uncomfortable and weird. Uh, and, and I think that for a modern movie to be so successful, and it's all of his films, to be that successful and eerie and creepy, and it's like, it's not there anymore and he does it and it, and it, it just really brings me back to older style horror movies and I, I love it I appreciate what he brings to the horror genre I think with this um, it was interesting because he for me anyway and going back to what you were saying about it being an original Rob, an original Rob Zombie it was nice seeing characters that weren't his typical over yeah. the top style mm-hmm. so like when this originally came out, and I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at that the release movie poster, instantly I'm like, this is going to be like a typical Rob Zombie, and I got this idea in my head, okay, this is going to be, like, all I can think of is Spalding. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, looking at this, and I'm like, you know, the face paint and everything, I'm like, what are we doing with this? Which, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love House of Thousand Corpses. I mm-hmm. love Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Also, more, more so. But um, that's what I was expecting. So to get into it and have characters that have, like, they're almost personable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And which makes it even more eerie because they seem like such normal people. Oh, the older ladies? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, like... They're so nice. And one of the things that, like, I, I thought was really cool and what I was saying is that, like, other... Other than the the visual... The visuals that you're getting with the colors and stuff that was very reminiscent of... Um, Suspiria is the the score, the music in it. Yeah, it was very like it had that feel to it, even oh, though it's it was totally so different creepy, music. Yeah. Um, something that I, was, I I had come up with that is that that music that was played, the music is formed with a Fragian scale, and the anyway the root notes give it a distinct dark feel that at one time during the 11th century was banned because yes! that specific, those specific notes in that order really? were considered yep. like a the gateway devil's to like some sort of evil. So I they had actually the like banned stone. That's, yeah. that's crazy that he went into that much, history. That, that much detail well, with it. See, that's the thing, and, and that's, that's another thing, that even if you're not a fan of Ram Zombie, he does, he does go all out for his movies. He puts every ounce of himself into them. You know, he lives and breathes what he does, and to have that type of dedication to what you're doing is just wonderful. Um, the makeup from the cover... Not seen where she's wearing that makeup and that sweater. I instantly was like, I want to be her for Halloween. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, oh, she's it so badass. So she is so cool. What a cool character. And and she's not what I was expecting her to be, especially like when it opens up and it's showing her at her job and she's like on this like weird alternative music radio station that has like this the like weird Satan worshiping bands. It's like you kind of expect like what you would picture a goth 60s 
Satan worshiper to be, and she's just very outgoing and very, very friendly, 70s. and just like totally like, yeah, man, yeah. She's Sherry Moon I, is what I get from her. It, it's not a character. It seems like she's playing herself, and I I loved watching it because I, like she was so easy, such an easy character to like and relate to. She was so nice, and it broke my heart when she relapsed. I was so sad. <laughs> I was rooting for her, and then she went to that doorway and knocked on the door and bought drugs. I was like, no, you were doing so well. Uh, her dog was cute. Yeah. Touching yeah, on her drugs were goals. No, I think I think um, she was a Big cool character, stick. and like visually, she was a cool-looking character. She was unique. She was cool. She was awesome. Very distinct. I love her. I do. I love... Not like Sherry Moon's great, but I love the character Heidi. Yeah, she was awesome and easy to like, and you felt sorry for her. Uh, and I, I agree with you, Sierra. Like when she relapsed, I was like, "Ah, oh, damn, that sucks. She's going down this path." And it sucks too because it's like it's really not like it's not her fault, you know. She she had no control really over what was going on with her, and like she, I guess she felt like she had nowhere else to turn. And really, did she? Would it stop? We, you know, we don't really know how far this, this, these visions and this could drive her into insanity. Another thing with detail that uh, I thought was cool was her name. Her last name is Hawthorne, which um, Nathaniel Hawthorne was one of the judges for the Salem witch trials. Nathaniel yeah. Hawthorne wrote, wrote the Scarlet Letter. Oh, maybe it wasn't. I think his name was William. Fuck. Hang on. I was going to say, I know Nathaniel Hawthorne. I saw his house in Salem, Massachusetts. He is the guy who wrote the Scarlet Letter. My bad. Edit. <laughs> it's John Hawthorne. Oh, we're all wrong. <laughs> Wait. Also, edit. It is not John Hawthorne. It's some guy named Mr. Hawthorne. Okay, no, it was John Hawthorne. Okay. okay. We're good. I wasn't wrong a second time. But, um, yeah, I thought that was cool how that tied it in. It almost made it feel like, like, was she chosen for that reason? <laughs> Well, I think that's what they were talking about. There was, um, is that the, Mr. Hawthorne was the one that had, had the witches burned. Mm-hmm. And so the lords were going after her because she was a direct descendant. Gotcha. So it was a way for them to corrupt her and kind of like get back at him. One of the things that I also thought was really cool about that scene with the, um, the witch burning is I felt that it had a similar feel to Black Sunday. Yeah. But I think that it was it was a lot, obviously, it was a lot more dark, it was a lot more heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I kind of got a giggle out of, and you can cut this out if you want to, the old ladies look like the worm creatures from Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I could have I oh, really enjoyed this movie a little bit more with less old lady boobs. Yo, they all look like <laughs> you know what, but chicken cutlets. <laughs> Sherry Sherry Moon's butt made up for it. Yeah, Dylan was so bitching about that, and I was like, like you know, no, okay, no, shh, you know, like when it opens up. I was talking about the scene already. I did not mention the fact that she was naked in bed, but like the beginning when they first show her in her apartment and she's like laying in bed and she just has the leg warmers on. Dylan's like, why would Rob Zombie put his wife naked for everyone to look at? And I was like, I don't know, like. Because she's sexy as hell and he's showing off. He wants off. to show her off, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess. like, <laughs> Rob Zombie got that piece of ass. <laughs> yeah. You know? But she is. She's beautiful. But I think she's gorgeous. Dylan was definitely like, Same. Mm-hmm. Tot- I, I think ever since I first saw House of a Thousand Corpses, I was totally crushing on Sherry Moon. Yeah. When she does the boop-boop-be-doo thing. 
That's that's yeah. Steven's type. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you um, a Match.com profile and be like, if you're not Sherry Moon, you're not for me. If you're not down with the boop boop a doop, I'm not down with you. The dreads. <laughs> not about it. So okay, Sherry Moon with dreads or pre dreads? Both, but preferably with dreads. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they I were real? That. Google? Like, or, or uh, when she's like riding the goat in her little gothy like outfit, I was like, "Yes, God damn you're." <laughs> Steven, I don't even want to know what you're into, man. Steven's like, "You can bring the goat." <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I'm not into bestiality, but I mean, if it just adds the ambiance of the mood. Sure. The part when she's sitting on the sidewalk at the church, like in front of it on the steps. And like that, the creature, like devil, really is like walking towards her with the goat. When I when I was watching that part, I was like, "Hey, that's you, Sierra." And she's like, "Why is that me?" I was like, "Because you would walk a fucking goat through a cemetery. <laughs> that's some crazy shit you would do." That church, okay, so that church had like its placement, like where it was, like what was surrounding it. It was a fucking creepy church. I don't think she had real dreads. I like, think that they were fake. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they were. You can do them with where they like. They were fake. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. I think I think well, were. I'm I'm looking it up, and the only pictures of her in them is in the movie. Um, so back to the church. Anyway, I think that the church overall was just like a really creepy church. Mm-hmm. It just it wasn't it wasn't creepy in the sense that it was like spooky or anything, but it just felt it felt like really dirty. <laughs> it had like the lighting of a crack house, and that just tripped me out. <laughs> well, the whole movie was shot in Salem, which I thought was pretty cool because it definitely adds the detail, yeah. I guess, of the movie. I One thing I want to say is I do want to see a director's cut of this movie because, like, looking into it, there's a lot of stuff that sounds... Like, I can almost see why they cut it, but it sounds interesting. Like, so there was an entire subplot in the movie. It's like a film within a film, and it was called... Frankenstein and the Witch Hunter, and it was supposed to be brought in because um, I want to say the the professor that they were in, that wrote the book that they were interviewing at the radio station, him and his wife went to the movie theater, and they were watching this movie, and it was supposed to like cut to clips from that movie throughout the movie, which I feel like is a very Rob Zombie thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I think that would have been interesting to see. I'm. I'm glad that they took it out, but it would still be something that I want to see. Also, there were also scenes where they had a fake serial killer that was being interviewed by, like, a TV reporter. And it was going to be showing on the TV throughout the movie to, like... And it would, like, cut to that and, like, show his interview. I thought that would have been pretty cool. That would be really cool. There was a lot of, like, little things that I, I was... That I saw for one, like he he paid attention to to details, and a lot of these are just like little fan theories that I came across. But um, there was a thing about the the number five on the door, representing like the five sides to a pentagram. Okay, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the the fact that there was the three witches. The so coven. yeah, if even it goes back to like Suspiria, there was the three main witches in it, and basically um, in Wicca they believe in the power of three. Um, a lot of different cultures believe in it, but um, the in, in Wicca, it's supposed to be the three stages of woman, which is child, adult, and old age. 
that's why usually like when you see them they're in various ages and like even when you look at look back on the the big coven there was that that you could see like the young girl you could see it it focused really on like the main witch was kind of like middle-aged but it Mm -hmm. it flashed to the younger witch and it flashed to like the really old one Mm -hmm. um and in satanism they they represent darkness chaos and conflict so i thought that was that was really interesting and the symbol that was on her head um, it's supposed to be like a mirrored reflection of uh, Mercury. Mm-hmm. Mercury was the god of war. Um, and there was a quote, I think there was originally a quote that was like, uh, you have to realize there's there's a war going on in heaven. So I think that that, that symbol on her, like the, the symbol of Mercury and him being the god of war was a pretty cool little connection there. I like how they really push her throughout the movie too to like, really turn her back on Christianity. Like, mm-hmm. the scene in the church with the priest who, like, pretty much molests her. Well, he didn't really do it, though. It was a no, vision. No, yeah, it was a vision, but it was a vision that she was getting, mm-hmm. presumably, from these witches, and it was like, it made her leave the church because mm-hmm. she was so freaked out, and she went to the church to almost I'd look for guidance. I'd be freaked out. Yeah. I, I think you know, that it, it was... It was kind of crazy to see her her mental breakdown throughout it because it, it, I feel like it comes really fast. Like, um, this movie was not one that took slow to get into the plotline, I don't think at all. I think it was a very well-paced movie. So you see that change in her very quickly, and um, by the end of it, it's like, you know, it, it causes her to relapse with the drugs and everything. And I just feel like she pretty much felt like she was done. There was nothing else she she could do to stop this. So... Um, I think it did a really good job on showing, like, that mental breakdown that she had from from going insane, insane from the vision she was having. Yeah. How awesome was that uh, devil baby with, like, those I was just going to say, can we things? talk about the turnip baby? I thought it looked like a turnip. A turnip. <laughs> the turnip baby. I thought it was pretty creepy looking, and when Harry it walked Potter, up to her bed, it was oh, yeah. 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 What is it, the mandrake? The mandrakes from Harry Potter when they pull them out of the pot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the plants. <laughs> or, yeah, the pots, I mean. That, that, that's pretty much what I thought. It was fucking wild. Also, um, yeah, we gotta mention it, Dylan. You brought it up to me uh, via messenger. Oh god! What was up when she first went into the room, looked at the red cross, and there was Sasquatch. He was there. Well, yeah. Like, what was the, was that <laughs> supposed well, to be the devil? Was what was the small little sure fuck chubby thing? Fuck. What was that? You know what I'm talking that about? That was the devil baby thing. That's the what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was the devil baby. That thing was creepy as fuck. <laughs> but what was that giant fucking hairy monster? Maybe that was there, maybe like? that was Daddy Devil. Maybe. Maybe that was the beast. The beast. I'm <laughs> 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 not reviewing that movie today. <laughs> For another day. I kind of wish they revealed its face because I was so curious. No. Like when I saw the silhouette, I was like, "Oh shit!" I think that that's really cool too. that they didn't, though. Yeah. Maybe it was a Yeti. Maybe it wasn't a Sasquatch, Stephen. Maybe it was a Yeti. A satanic Yeti. I feel like with this movie and with all three of the movies, like, it kept enough in the dark to make it not cheesy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I I think all three movies were extremely successful. I think this one was a little weird towards the end, but I think the majority of the movie was so good to me. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. There was not a part that I was like... Come on, let's let's finish this up now. Like oh, the yeah. whole thing, I was into, and this is the second time I watched it, and it wasn't too long ago, a couple of years ago that we watched it. 
to where I still was pretty, I'm, I pretty much remembered the majority of it, but it was still so good, even the second time around. The pacing was great. Actually, <laughs> I, I have a funny story before we wrap it up, of the first time we watched this movie. So the first time we watched it, we were living in a community of very old Catholic people. <laughs> and our house, or apartment, whatever you want to call it, was like... Our bungalow. It was right in the middle of all of them. So we had a neighbor on every side of us. And they were very nosy people to where they would like walk past your window they would and stare look in, in the our window. window. Yeah. Not even walk past. They would literally stand in our windows and like look what we were watching on TV. Yeah, that's so, so fucking weird. So we're watching weird. this movie and we had the curtains closed, but still like that ending scene with like the pile of dead bodies and the naked witches covered in blood <laughs> dancing all over. Sarah looked at me and she's like, our neighbors are going to think we're fucking Satanists. <laughs> <laughs> I hope right they up, do. I've given you some space and I've been so nosy. The whole movie, like not the whole movie, but that whole part though, I wanted it to end for that sole reason that I'm like, somebody's gonna walk past this fucking window and they like look at these <laughs> they'd, were, they'd like right walk right up onto our patio and look in our fucking window like, who are you, man? This isn't your house. Get the hell out of here. I love I I can't tell you enough how much I enjoyed this movie. I really, really did. I liked it so much. Well then if does anybody else you guys have anything else? Is to there say? any closing closing thoughts before we do no, I'm ready to jump great. into ratings. I'll give my closing thoughts on why I rated it the way I did. In that case, Stephen, begin. All right. I'm going to give this movie a solid uh, eight. I think it is one of Rob Zombie's better works and definitely one of his classics now. Uh, when you look back on it years from now, I think it'll still hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that it was shot in Salem. It just made it more authentic. And it did a good uh, portrayal of, like, Again, how scary witches could be. Well, still kind of keeping that realistic, like, you know, backstory of, like, the burnings of witches. Like, it wasn't like they were so supernatural as more they were, like, satanic, which was what everyone originally feared was their mm-hmm. relationship with Satan. So it really shedded light on that. And uh, I just thought Sherry Moon, she did a great job as a lead. And it was nice to see other characters from, you know, Rob Zombie films. Uh, appear throughout the movie. Those scarecrow men, or whatever you want to call them, they were a creepy aspect. So whenever they popped up, instantly just like creeped me out. I felt very uneasy. So there was like a again, like Suspira, it was visually pleasing. Uh, the use again, like Suspira, the use of the music definitely had a great effect on it. So a solid eight for me. And Sherry Moon is a babe, and I love her dreads in that movie. That's the highest one you did this episode. Yeah. Nice. Syrup. I am going to give this movie a nine. Whoa. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and and I'm a fan of Rob Zombie. I do like his his work, but none of it is amazing to me. But this movie is really great. I really liked it. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody, especially because of like the religious aspect to it. I think that it. So it's not meant for certain people, um, but if you are a fan of horror and you're you're not super religious, definitely check it out. It's a great movie. Um, I think Sherry Moon was fantastic <clears throat> in it. She wasn't her typical character. She did show a lot of um, side boobs. A lot of side, yeah, 
She, she showed she showed her butt, and that's all that anybody cares about. No complaints here. <laughs> so yeah, no, I thought it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm with Sarah on this one. I think that it's overall it's a solid movie. Um, and we appreciate tasteful side boob. Tasteful side boob is a plus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of butt cheeks and knee socks. Uh, <laughs> same, same. Knee socks, knee socks are such a weakness for me. Oh my god! <laughs> this has turned in, this episode has turned into Steven's dating profile. <laughs> All right, ladies. Big notes, ladies. Big Wait, notes. can we can we please do this right now? Please, can we be like Steven Stefanello's ladies? He likes tasteful side boob. Butt cheeks and dreads, 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 and thigh highs, baby. Thigh highs, baby. <laughs> you want to get down with me and some William Control? Shoot me a message. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like the openness. All right, <laughs> we're, we're gonna America. find you a girl through this, Stephen. We're gonna find you someone. Continue. Sounds America. good. <laughs> so yeah, butt cheeks and knee socks. Anyway, um, <laughs> overall, just like I personally think it's a great movie. I. I like the little things. So uh, a little background on me, I, I studied theology and I am totally into movies that have deeper meanings on stupid little shit. Mm-hmm. So like I loved I loved that the the door that she was behind or that everything was behind was the number five and that it kind of has that feel for like the five points on a pentagram. I'm always looking for something that has a deeper meaning. And I, I love that little things in this movie could possibly have that, even if it wasn't his intentions and it's just stupid fan theories. Like they're awesome. And I think any, any movie that really like provokes somebody to go that much deeper into something, I think it's solid. I loved that she was, she could have been anybody. She wasn't, she wasn't like her normal characters. Mm-hmm. So she had this very personable feel. She literally, you know, she could have been anybody off the streets. And to kind of see, like Sarah said, her mental breakdown, um, I think that was a very real thing. Um, I, I think people who have struggled with, like, drug addiction, I think put in that situation, that absolutely would have been their fallback. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's it's a quick way to escape it. So just seeing that, like, that tear her down and getting her to that mental break... It was just awesome. I think that the the music score is awesome. Um, the visually, it was awesome. I mean, there's just everything about it. I really liked. Uh, I do. I love Rob Zombie's movies, um, and I think that this one was, in my opinion, is best. I mean, it's just I agree. it's a well rounded movie. It had everything that. It, it pulled a lot from a lot of different movies. So you're getting some. Some feels like Black Sunday. You're getting some of these like things that remind you of Suspiria. You're getting certain things like there would be certain mannerisms that Cherry Moon would have that would instantly I'd think, oh, that was from a th- House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. So it's it's moving you all around, and it had like a great flow. And even though there was bits and pieces that were pulled from all different directions, he made it mash together so well that it was just from beginning to end. I liked it, and I feel like Dylan touched on the fact that the the last couple minutes were kind of, like, not his favorite. I, I liked it because I felt like, in a great masterpiece, the, the artist always signs it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that last part of the movie, that was Rob Zombie's, like, 
fuck yeah, here's my signature, here's my finished work, we're done. I love the way Cut that you it. put that. We're out. I love the way and that you put that. That's that's why I give it a nine. I think it was just like it was overall just it was fucking phenomenal. And it I was like Rob it. Zombie. Like Yeah. Dylan. This is gonna get a high fucking rating. <laughs> Dylan's gonna give it a zero just to negate everybody else. Fucking blue. So I will be the downer. Fucker. God damn you. Get out of here. You're you're <laughs> off the podcast. We're kicking you off now. Not too much of a downer. I'm gonna give it a six point five. Is it because the chicken cutlet titties? No. <laughs> it's not the chicken cutlet titties. No, I I thought it was very eerie. I thought the pacing was great. I thought the little attention to detail was amazing. The soundtrack was great. I, Where is the six coming from? The ending just completely kills it for me. Not completely, but... You let endings decide too much for you. I, I just feel like it could have had a different payoff. Like I said before, like... I feel like Rob Zombie went in a completely different direction with this movie than his other movies. And I feel like that last five minutes was almost like a forget everything that I just did for the last hour and a half, and here's just some psychedelic shit. So... You didn't like her riding a goat, that's it. That was it. Her riding a goat? Shut it off. No, I... It... I love the movie overall, and I would recommend it, absolutely, but... Like, if I were to rate the entire movie, I would give it a 9 without the ending. If that makes sense. Alright. Everybody just... Everybody just, uh... (laughs) Everybody just shut up after that. It's all good. Get this fucking episode off now. We respectfully (laughs) disagree. No, you're fine. It's still gonna have a better rating than the other movies. Okay, so... Average rating, 8.125. No, you have to say the Horror Haven rating. Horror Haven rating, 8.125. That's a good rating. That is a good rating. Would recommend. 10 out of 10 would recommend again. I would recommend all three movies. I think that um, Black Sunday is viewer-friendly. Anyone could watch it and enjoy it. I feel the same way about Suspiria, but... If you are not good about waiting for a payoff, it may not be the movie for you. And um, with the last movie, which is um, The Lords of Salem, I think that it's excellent for people that are interested in witches, horror movies, really into it. But I don't think that everybody would love it. Um, Yeah, that's what I have to say about it. What do you think? Anybody? Anybody want to add? I, I definitely recommend all three if you're looking for any solid witch horrors. These are my top three picks um, after watching them all back to back. And I say, you know what? Dabble a bit. Get weird. Go on. Do it. Watch Lords of Salem. It's good. I recommend all three. I think that... Black Sunday is probably going to appeal to people who are more so into uh, Universal or like silent films or even like foreign films. It's got like more of like a, a horror of well, it foreign is a foreign, horror. yeah, foreign film. Um, so it, it's definitely it, it's it's definitely something that if you if you like any of those things, it's it's an acquired taste. I think um, uh, Suspiria, I think is awesome for people who are maybe 
younger, just starting to get into to horror movies or scary movies. I think that it has just enough that it, it's creepy and, and, and scary, but it's not too deep where you're kind of like all over the place. Um, I think that, that Zombies, uh, Lords of Salem is definitely for somebody who's a little more seasoned in the, in the horror genre and who isn't easily upset or, or hurt by things that they see or, you know, not overly religious or butthurt easy, Don't, don't take things too seriously. <laughs> yeah, don't take things too seriously or to heart. Um, but overall, they're, they're all very different but very similar and they you can tell where people have gotten ideas from and how mm-hmm. like you, know, you can see how where the influence came, how, came how from, like yeah. it started with black sunday and the influence flowed down yeah and it's it, they're all just they're Maybe. great and for non-stereotypical witch movies mm-hmm. they're all fucking awesome i mean they they really are yeah yeah i think, it, I think it kept to the witch lore pretty tight too yeah, yeah. it didn't did. go outrageous with anything yeah. none of these movies went outrageous with like the witches themselves they were not crazy characters they were very believable enjoyable characters it was more of like witches like salem witches it, is yeah what but I exactly so it's more off of the like the religion. cult aspect mm-hmm. of, of not the, the supernatural and not, not like, like Harry the, Potter yeah not the, <laughs> the the broomsticks and the pointy hats and the the frogs and the cauldrons but it's more, more like, like Salem witch trials type what can we you mm-hmm. know what can we inflict on you without actually causing physical harm to you on our own yeah I just want to add to what you said to Erica about the like being butt hurt and like yeah. being like seasoned with film um. An interview with Rob Zombie, he actually like someone asked him like, "Hey, like, what goes through your mind when you're making these movies? Because they're so over the top." And he brought up a, what I think is a really good point. And he's like, "My movies aren't over the top. Real life is over the top. You read these stories about like mm-hmm. a man who kept this girl locked in his basement for years, and, and his family, and his had, family no had no idea. And he's like, but then you watch my movies and you say that's over the top. Yeah, like." I, I thought that was a really yeah. good point. Well, he said he said that you know it's it's easy to find influence in the world that we live in because of the horrible things that happen in Absolutely. the world. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, as for me, I would also recommend all three. I think that each one will appeal to a different type of person, like Erica and Sierra and Stephen. You all said. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our witches episode of Horror Haven Podcast. We want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Horror Haven Podcast. Also, we have a website, which we will link on our Facebook and Instagram that you can follow where we have all kinds of cool stuff. Next week, we will be covering Universal Monsters and most specifically Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. and The Mummy. So be sure to listen to that because we're going to have lots to say about those movies. And that's about it. Bye. Have a good night, all.